Welcome to a special XYZ three-episode series covering the X-Men film franchise. Zach and I watched all ten films, and we have thoughts. So the total series is about four hours. We recorded it all in one session, so that's why we split it up. There's a little bit of bleed in between, so you guys get a sense of you know where one where the conversation started and ended. The first part covers the George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter. We give our thoughts on that, um, and X one all the way through X three. The second part covers Origins Wolverine all the way through Apocalypse, and the third part covers Logan and Dark Phoenix, and we also give our overall thoughts on the franchise. So yeah, enjoy. Let's dive in. Part two starts now. next one is um do we do we cover uh, origins next uh, i i think we should go in chronological order which would mean uh yeah origins origins yeah, yeah. Uh, uh which is one that i also initially skipped x-men origins wolverine uh released 2009 directed by gavin hood uh witness the origin after over a century of living life as a soldier logan tries to live an ordinary life and finds he cannot rest he sets out to avenge the death of his girlfriend by undergoing the Mutant Weapon X program and eventually becoming the Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I feel like that's a weird movie to just summarize. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what, what, what happens. <laughs> oh, my God. So Okay, so this movie, again, I saw, I saw this in theaters, and I, I enjoyed it at the time. This is the only movie that, like, upon watching it, I actively disliked. <laughs> I I think my opinions for this one and the last stand kind of flipped yeah, on this viewing yeah. where where I realized because I used to think I, I saw this one for the first time on cable TV and I used to be like, oh, it's it's fine for like a cable TV movie. Like it's it's fine for that. And it's it's watchable. The last stand that's unwatchable. Rewatching them now. Last stand kind of watchable. This one. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god! I I was like I had it on in the background while I was doing other stuff, and I I thank God because I could not have done anything else, uh, <laughs> or I could not have like paid attention to it. Yeah. Um. So okay, so let's just get into this. So the, the you know, it's, it is the origin story of Wolverine. It's like okay, so they they breathe through his early childhood in in Canada as being the the bastard of the groundskeeper. And then the fighting in the wars and his relationship with Victor Creed slash Sabretooth and all this, which I think like we both said the 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 the, the, um, the opening of the movie and the montage were the best parts of the movie, which is like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say the opening scene I like, even like, but okay, the sure. the montage I like, uh, okay. I like the montage opening scene is i don't know it's silly and it's quick uh the, the montage i feel like is generally the widely considered like one good redeemable part of this movie yeah, yeah. uh so big theme of this movie is that it's way overstuffed that happens everything happens really fast they like they get recruited they go on their fish first mission he walks away then um and then immediately it's like immediately what happens is victor is hunting and killing people and then he settled like Logan settled down and then all like everything happens really fast. 
they like the the um adamantium injection thing happens maybe like halfway through the movie right and it's like yeah that's such a weird moment too where like striker comes to pick him up a younger version of william striker from x-men 2 comes to pick him up and is like hey we're we're gonna do this experiment on you uh and the whole plan the entire time i guess was just that they wanted to see if it would work on him and then they were just going to kill him. Wipe so they injected memory. all this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wipe his memory. Oh, I, thought kill the, him. I thought the original plan was just to kill. Oh, oh yeah. They maybe said now he can't be killed. So yet they were like, oh, okay, wipe his memory instead. Yeah. Cause like the idea was that it would be um, that like Deadpool is the one who uh, 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 like, this is kind of a test to see if they can do the same process to Deadpool. Yeah. Which just seems like they just wasted a lot of money on a guy. They're not a hundred percent sure they can control just making him stronger yeah exactly uh, like yeah. i don't get the villain plan here uh oh, yeah that was i guess Sabretooth is on his his side and then there's the whole thing with his girlfriend and then it turns out his girlfriend was like lying to him the whole time the whole but time. also she still loves him yeah i think it would have been more interesting if she was just fully a villain uh yeah <laughs> i don't know but like you know you want you of course you know Hugh Jackman, he he goes through everybody uh, and makes them uh, fall in love with him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I like the part, I guess, in the beginning where you've got all the other mutants and he they're all part of that secret task force and they go and they like hunt down an African warlord. And it's like cool to just see them all as a team and use their powers. And yep. then the rest of the movie I can kind of do without. Yeah. Basically uh, <laughs> this movie doesn't have a lot of breathing space for its character moments for like the interactions for us to care about who these people are. I mean, we kind of care about Wolverine because we've seen the other movies. He's Hugh Jackman. He's, you know, a good actor and all that stuff, but even then not really. And then the other people are just like, oh, okay, his girlfriend died. Uh, okay, sure. And then, and then she doesn't later, <laughs> but you know, you believe it the first time you see it. Um, and then, and then, then, like, the other part, the other people of the team are just like, we just don't give a fuck about them. Like, when um, when Bradley, the, the electricity guy, dies, you're just like, okay, we, we barely spent, like, five minutes with him. When John yeah. dies, it's the same thing. It's like, we barely spent 15 minutes with him. We just have no time to actually care about any of these people. Like, I cared more about the, the, the old couple that took Wolverine in after he got his experiment than the other An teammates. old couple who is just, like... Once again, not letting the movie breathe. Like, yes, the, the old couple is very endearing and then just brutally murdered. Yeah. They're just like, like, like in an overdone scene where they're just like, uh, just he's talking to them and then suddenly they're shot, uh, out of nowhere from, uh, Agent Zero from yep. like far away. Yep. Uh, it's, oh man. Um, I guess that's got that. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and that's the only reason that I remember that character's name being agent zero yeah. because all I remember is, Oh, he, he shoots good. And then he blows up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're not, I don't know. Uh, Blob is, I guess, memorable cause he's fat. Yeah. I guess. Uh, John Wraith is memorable cause he's will. I am. And that's weird that will I am from the black eyed peas. This is in an, is in an X-Men movie. Uh, I mean, I like his I character, do, but I just don't care about I, him. Yeah, right? like I, the one I do like how Sabretooth kills him. That's a cool. He just kind that, of yeah. It's a cool use of the powers where yep. he's like, ah, my hand is already where you're gonna be, and so you're just killed by the physical 
impossibility of it all. Yeah, and also, uh, but also no blood there, which was weird. I was like, very bloodless movie. This is like Wolverine in these movies. There's a big, re- there was a big push to get Logan rated R. Like everybody yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to see Wolverine shed some blood. Yeah. Um, and this movie in particular, just based off its subject matter, it just feels so PG thirteen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Other things also. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. We mentioned the budget for the first two X Men. Yeah, I feel it's worth mentioning that this one is 150 million, which is 25 dollars, 25 million dollars more than the second X Men movie. And Ugh, the action when I say CG that is, oh, it's so awful. It's so bad. It, when I say that it feels like a cable TV movie, I don't just mean because it was on cable TV. I mean it looks like it was produced on a cable TV budget for a cable television. The uh, green screen is so obvious in this one. Oh my god! Oh uh, my god. Yeah. His 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 claws. Oh, Can we talk about god. how fake his claws? Oh, are? they look in the the mirror and the mirror scene emphasizes it. It's like you it, emphasize the fakest part of him. Yeah, um, and it's a cool scene, scene where... from the actor point of view. But like the CG is terrible. No. Yeah. Why did you try to like? It's just worse than it was. They went backwards. I don't get it. They have more money and they went backwards. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's so bad. <laughs> oh my god! Like, yeah, and this may be twenty twenty bias because I remember it being fine at the time, but yeah, it, that that does not hold up at all in the in the modern day. <laughs> I mean, once again, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it on cable television not much longer, and I do remember thinking it looked bad, but I also remembered excusing it because it was on cable television. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So other other quick things about this movie, we want to. This is one I want to move on from relatively quickly. Yeah, it was so I'm, bad. I'm good with that. So I'm okay, good with that. the um, the villain motivations don't make a lot of sense. Um, the secondary climax with the mutants escaping was kind of a distraction. The climax itself, now that I see it, in uh, it falls flat in theaters. I remember it holding up, but this time I was like, dude, when Victor teams up with Logan, the the fight with Weapon. Eleven with Deadpool basically was really short in the when I watched it this time it felt extremely short in when I watched it in theaters it felt long and it was like a suiting fitting climax this time it felt super short and then the day we're all in Denouement by the time Striker goes to erase his memories so it's just like the climax just falls fucking flat um then uh the other point to talk about that is that um when he rebukes Kayla when his girlfriend comes back and is like oh yeah I, I was tricking you the whole time. Like that, those lines were cheesy as hell. It's like, oh, I guess you were the trickster the whole time and not, and you know, I thought it was the Wolverine and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this is just not good. And then, um, and then after that, he walks away and he's like, why does he walk away? He just suddenly doesn't want to kill Stryker now for like doing all, like wanting to erase his memory, wanting to kill him. And like, well, you know. he, at that point, his memory was erased. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, the first time, like when, when, uh, at the, when Kayla does the reveal, when Silver Fox does uh, the reveal, He's like suddenly okay. he doesn't want to kill Victor for you know killing John and and uh, actually killing Bradley you know sure okay maybe the Kayla thing is gone and also he doesn't want to kill Stryker because like just because his girlfriend was like saying oh yeah I was I was part of the plan too he suddenly doesn't want to kill Stryker like Stryker still wanted to wipe his memory and still wanted to like kill him and still put him through a bunch of pain for apparently nothing so I mean. It yeah. feels like the only reason he doesn't kill him is mostly just to uh, because they're like, oh, we can't kill him for the next for because yeah. chronologically, canonically, that wouldn't 
yeah. makes sense. It's a contrivance, basically. Yeah. 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 Uh, so. I, I mean, it's a whole thing in a movie where you just like, but with no stakes because you know what happens in the future. Yeah. Uh, and you have to reset to a point where he has no memory. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, last thing is I do remember the post credits. I did remember the post credit scene with the, that actually was not in the print that I watched this time uh-huh. of him um, being in Japan and saying, Oh, I'm drinking to remember. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool moment. And I still like that moment now. Yeah. The, yes. It's an, a decent moment. I think looking it up online, uh, that moment was uh, in some theaters, but not all theaters. Yes. Um, like, I think I saw some people in Australia had seen it. Uh, another note on the production side of this movie. Do you know who wrote it? Uh, no, I don't remember. David Benioff. <laughs> of Game of Thrones fame. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I believe I, I definitely remember some people uh, when Game of Thrones was starting to you know go downhill a little bit. Like people were like, yeah, what do you expect from the writer of X-Men Origins Wolverine? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I see. I see the same shit because it's like, um, once he runs out of the adaptation in Game of Thrones, the same stuff happens. The pacing's off. The character motivations don't line up. There's a lot of contrivances. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. Well, why don't we? Um, you said one. Move through this one quickly. Let's move to 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 a, another another prequel, uh, in the X Men canon. One that we enjoyed. X-Men, uh, First Class, released in 2011, directed by Matthew Vaughn. Um, before they were Professor X and Magneto, Charles Xavier and uh, Charles Xavier and Eric Lencher were two young men discovering their mutant powers. The two became friends in their fight for mutant solidarity, while an old tormentor of Lencher's sets off to incite nuclear war. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so this one was originally uh, after X Men Origins Wolverine came out. They were talking about making an X Men Origins Magneto. Yeah. Which eventually became this because obviously in the we i mean i feel like magneto and wolverine are the two we talked about the most uh when we we're talking about those first three so i think they're the characters that really stuck mm-hmm. um but then they just were like no we're just gonna make this a full-on x-men movie uh they got matthew vaughn who's directed uh kick-ass kingsman the secret service um and i think it like they injected a lot of flavor into this one mm-hmm. that i feel like you know, it wasn't there in Origins, but I also don't think the flavor was 100% there in um, the fir- the whole first trilogy, where it kind of just was like, this is a superhero movie, and this one kind of just felt like, no, we're going to give it a little extra personality. We're going to bring in, uh, they brought in Henry Jackman to do the score, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really, I was, I know not everyone loves this one, but I, I remember just going to theaters, and like, this was the, the first X-Men movie that I just like, unabashedly just love everything about. Uh, Michael Fassbender's Magneto. He's fucking. Uh, he's yeah. Great. He's yeah. He's so good. You you like. Uh, oh yeah. He he's doing another like I mentioned this earlier. He's going to another level than everyone else is. He's just like. Uh, I mean, he's his character has the more interesting story. So mm-hmm. I don't. Um, he starts off. This movie starts off with the same Holocaust scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exact same one, Just FYI, the exact same. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, of him with the gate, but then it kind of prolongs the scene where you get to see what happened after that, where he's yeah. taken like the effects of that moment where, you know, the Nazi guards had noticed that, oh, well, this Jew, he's got powers. So they bring in Sebastian Shaw, played by Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um, 
to 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 try and train him by using his pain and anger. Yeah. Uh, and Professor X, you know, offers the other option of um, what is it, serenity and. It's in the track titles for the songs. Is one of them is pain and anger, and one of them, <laughs> once again, this is a great soundtrack, and I will stand by the soundtrack for this. Uh, especially the the uh, the Magneto themes in this are really good. Um, rage and Serenity is Professor X is like, let's find that middle point between Rage and Serenity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah when yeah. he's training Magneto. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you have to say about? So it? I like this movie a lot. Again, yeah, like you said, Fastbender was awesome in this. Like fucking like dude, you just, like you get you get Magneto like you really mm-hmm. get who he is in this one. Um, let's see, uh, I just have a I'm, I'm, since I'm running through my notes in kind of order, I'll just say random thing. There's a music cue that's that's from Bioshock Infinite that they share, which is slightly interesting. Not most people won't won't care. Um, so in order of the movie, I didn't know that Mystique and Charles had a prior relationship. Obviously, this was not touched on at all in one, two, and three. And so uh, my... no, uh, that was created wholesale for this movie. I think there are a lot of things in this movie that were just like, we're just going to do this for this movie because this is what makes the story interesting. It, it was uh, just, just for, for you, a question for you. Was this in the comics at all or just no? No, OK, no, that's not that's a, look once again, wholesale. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think reading anything in this movie and saying that was canon when they were filming the original trilogy is over reading into it. I don't think anything. The thing with this series is canon doesn't really exist. Yeah. Every movie is kind of only can only truly canonical to the movie before it. Uh, and even then it barely, that barely holds up that theory. Yeah. And uh, just, just a quick comment on continuity too. Like in watching uh, origins before, I think I had the comment that like, I realized that it broke the most continuity, but it's also, but it's actually the opposite. The other movies broke the most continuity with it later. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it's, it's because they wanted, Last Stand in Origins, they really just wanted to scrape those under the rugs, especially Origins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if anything, one of the issues with Origins is that it was maybe too slavish to trying to be um, uh, canon with the original trilogy, as I think at some points it had that issue. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which maybe is why, yeah. Anyways, keep so going. Good. Yeah. So next, the next note was Sebastian Shaw. I was like, oh, yeah. I see them. I see you. Inner Circle, Hellfire Club type of thing. And I was like um, recognizing from them from uh, Dark Phoenix on the animated series. And my comment there was at least didn't have the ridiculous revolutionary America costumes. <laughs> oh, but I love him with yeah. his ascot and his weird little hairdo where he just always looks like that. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> that's his that's his look. Next. Uh, these are again, these are small notes. So I'll try to breeze through them. Next thing is my oh, Myron right. McTaggart. They reckoned her to be American and not Scottish. Yeah. yeah which is, I mean, I, you know, it works for the movie, but the, the name then is kind of like weird in that case because it's so like not. It's so Scottish. It's just not so, so stereotypically, at least not American. Uh, yeah. Well, it is, it is the 60s, so maybe her parents were a little old fashioned. Maybe yeah. they were straight from Scotland. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, I like Rose Byrne a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think in this viewing, uh, First time I saw this movie, I saw I was a little high school kid. Uh, I think I would have been in high school. I probably between high school, and college, probably that summer. Um, and I had a huge crush on Rose Byrne in this movie when I mean, her first scene, she literally just goes in her underwear, which now feels way too horny to say on Maine. <laughs> um, 
and rewatching this as an adult, there was a part of me that was like, I know Rose Byrne is a better actor than what she does in this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I think she's fun. She's good. Yeah, she's. I good like her addition. She, she kind of gives. Uh, she's like a good foil for uh, Charles. Yeah. She like she plays well off James McAvoy. Yeah. I I will say that as far as the only thing I disliked about her was that, I mean, it's just that her relationship with Charles was not really. Again, it's not. They don't establish how or why they come to like each other. They just kind of do. But that's that's yeah. about it. It's you know it's fine. It's just underdeveloped it's but otherwise it's fine um next point this is starting to get into more meaty stuff is like it's really good to see like a young imperfect charles like you know he's like so enamored with being normal in this one that he's it's very easy to see why mystique goes to magneto in this one and it's like it's a benefit of of charles's privilege growing up in a fucking mansion that he's like i'm normal i have normal shit going on like i'm rich so like the world is cool i like the world as it is don't fuck it up eric don't fuck it up it's kind of like that type of thing. And Eric's like, you know what? You know, I came from shit, you know, and and I accept who I am and I accept you who the way you are. So you really see that contrast in this movie. He does very he is very much like the privileged mutant of just like, oh, I'm, I'm passing and I'm just going to uh, I, I don't even I, I was like reading a, a panel from an X-Men comic of like another X-Men yelling at Scott Summers for like the way he treats other mutants uh, because he's able to get away with like looking like a, you know, just a regular white guy. Yeah. Um, uh, that, you know, like all the others, like even Magneto, like when he was a when he just thought he was a human he got taken to a concentration camp yeah uh so they've all had a different experience i think that is one of the cooler aspects of this sort of rebooted timeline is that you get a lot of like charles as a flawed person up through all of them i'd say yeah like dark phoenix i think i think one of the things i like the most about dark phoenix and we'll get to it is how they treat him as a flawed character yeah uh in his hubris um but like apocalypse days of future past really gets into it yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's that part of that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. uh and that's that's um, when we'll get to starting getting to the theory a little bit yeah yeah because that's where it starts happening and you'll see it happening so yeah what one of the one of like the prevailing things uh in the comics is because they are so soap opera-y Professor X is one of the more soap opera y characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of, he's not as infallible as he is when he's played by Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart, I think, plays such like a, a, a very saintly version of Charles Xavier. Yeah. Uh, and even in the comics, like, you know, even though he's the mentor and the older guy, you definitely, like, the cracks are there. Yep. Even in literally the first issue, and this is something that later writers take on, I think it was initially just in because Stanley is not that great a writer, but in the mm-hmm. first issue of the X-Men is they introduce Jean Grey to the team and they're all wearing the first class suits like they do in this movie. Yeah. And uh, Professor X has a thought of something of like, ooh, she's beautiful and I have a crush on her, but I shall never make that known. But because that happens in a thought bubble, now it's canon. So other writers <laughs> who are like, that is disgusting and awful, but unfortunately it happened in the first issue an issue that people will go back and read for all eternity. So we kind of have to address it. Uh, and like that, you know, he, he is bad in a lot of ways. He He's often, you know, he's, he's privileged. He's a little bit short-sighted. He's very selfish and egocentric yeah. uh, as a character. Um, the Jean Grey thing is, 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 is generally not that much touched on, but it is one of those moments where you're like going back and rereading old issues and, 
it's it stares you in the face of just how awful it is. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see bigger things that other so moving on to a couple other bigger things. So like, yeah, it's, uh, I'm gonna go through some of the more character meaty stuff, and then at the end I'll tag on some more of the um the smaller things again. So it's like the the scene with the kids being kids was really fun. It's like you got the sense of the '60s a lot, and like the um the Charles being the disappointed father figure was a very interesting angle. So he's already old fashioned, and he's out of touch mm-hmm. compared to Eric. He's he's very much like already he's like yeah he's the father figure. He's not with the young the young kids. He's not hip, you know, to use the terms of the day. And you know, you would still use that. Like he, he's not hip. I at feel that like point. I I feel like like when he's just with Eric, uh, when they're like going off on recruiting missions, they're having fun. Yeah. But like whenever, when he, when he gets all of the other mutants together, he's suddenly like, okay, I, I have this responsibility to be the leader. He kind of puts that on himself. Yeah. Um, and so that's a little bit of also where the old fashioned, like, obviously that's there within him, but also you see a little bit of like, he's talking to Eric and, and like the CIA guy and like, all these mutants are embarrassing him. And that is a little bit more of like sort of his position of just like, wait, you guys are supposed to be making me look good. Uh, and you're not making me look good right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, again, that's a very square thing. Cause he wants to blend in with authority and he wants to yeah. feel that. And, you know, part of it makes sense for his character. And at the same time, it's like, he's, yeah, he just, that's again, that's the split in this movie between Magneto and Charles is like, like Charles is old fashioned and square and Magneto's hip, you know, in this one. Yeah. Uh, Professor X kind of likes the status quo. He, he, he benefits from the status quo. Magneto's like, let's, I kind of want to break the status quo. Mutants aren't doing so great in the status quo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas Professor X kind of wants mutants to conform to the status quo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And okay, the rest of the stuff I have, like, so the next, the other big thing was like, I, I enjoyed this, the Cuban missile crisis, you know, setting. And then, the spy thriller tone of it. It's kind of, you know, it's like the, the MCU thing of like, oh, this movie is in the MCU, but it's a specific genre that we try to do. Like, you know, like Winter Soldier is one of the best MCU That's movies. part of yeah. what I think adds personality to it when I was saying that earlier. It's yep. like it gives it another flavor. Yeah. Uh, other than just being an X-Men movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, that was a really cool part of it. Um, anything, so I'm going to go through like the smaller stuff. Any, any, any other bigger stuff you want to talk about with this movie? Well, like go, with going with that 60s flavor mm-hmm. is I do think that um, uh, this kind of starts a run. Well, no, this doesn't like at Origins does this uh, where it's it's all the X-Men movies suddenly take place during a historical event, whether it's uh, Three Mile Island or the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. or Viet- the Vietnam War. Like suddenly there's a thing that dates them in time. And even the original trilogy had this thing where like almost every movie had a landmark as a set piece yeah. from the Statue of Liberty to uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. It seems interesting how they do that as like a way of setting it within reality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it goes with the themes of like, and you know, maybe, I think it's maybe overdone a little bit, but the theme of the franchise is like, you know, these little moments in time are can shape public perception a lot. So they play into that a lot as well with that. For sure. Um, but uh, I was lax because I've seen this so many times, so I didn't really write as many notes. So we can That's go fine. through yours and yeah, I'll yeah. Just, just comment. Yeah, these are just small things again. So um, it's uh, the moment when the CIA agent says, uh, leave us normal people alone with an earshot at the other mutant. It's a little on the nose. 
and there's oh another, yeah yeah there's another thing i love that infiltration scene though. yeah, yeah other scene than that good. one yeah, moment yeah, yeah yeah and then the other thing that was also a little too on the nose is the beast his cure turning him more beastly was like okay that's 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 yeah we've seen this before it's a little on the nose um i like the irony but yeah it's it's basically the same it's the same idea as magneto getting becoming human in in x3 yeah um Absolutely. let's see other things were let's see um yeah so angel's motivation for changing sides not really that well established and i really you know i was looking i wanted more darwin so those are kind of the, the only other things yeah. uh two things on things you mo- mentioned just like in that infiltration scene yeah. is one azazel using his teleporting power to just sneak in and drop people on the ground oh, is that's cool. a cool power flex. It's that's really a cool, cool way of using your power. Yeah. Uh, it looks really cool. He's basic. He, I believe is canonically nightcrawler's dad. Uh, Mystique's the mom, if you were wondering. Mm. Um, uh, but with Darwin, yeah, they really underuse his power or they really underuse him and it feels really lame. And I remember at the time it being really jarring that, like at the Kevin Bacon goes and does this whole whole monologue to them when he's trying to get them over on his side. Yeah. And I remember a lot of people commenting on how weird this moment is because he goes and mentions how humans uh, put people into slavery and immediately they go into Darwin's face. And it feels a little bit like, oh, see, slavery, black people. And it feels really sloppy. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's a little bit on the nose in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he's a fun guy. He's more fun than half of those people. Why do they get rid of him? Yeah, and yeah, it's just another, it's again, it's like another thing, just representation in media thing too, where it's like, okay, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the the one black you kill male. the black guy. Yeah, it's like, come on, come on, guys. Um, for a yeah. franchise that's supposed to be about this kind of stuff, anyways, it's like, come on. Yeah, we got we got four white guys on the team. Five. I forgot about Beast. Uh. But we're gonna we're gonna kill the one black guy. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, yeah, I I had the thought before we started recording this of just how many black X Men there are, because they are such an allegory for, it. and generally they are fairly multicultural. Mm-hmm. But like, it's basically Storm and Bishop, and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, as far as major ones go, uh, there's one. We'll talk about him in Days of Future Past, but there's a character who I'm reading the early issues that he showed up in where he was black and they later on cast him as a white guy in the movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll get into that at another point. Uh, <laughs> X-Men First Class. Yeah, uh, but overall, we like the movie. Anything I, else? I really enjoyed the movie. Very good origin yeah. story. Very much sets up the, the Charles uh, Eric dynamic and that very successful in that in my eyes for that. Yeah. The scene where um, uh, where Magneto throws the coin through Kevin Bacon's head. Yep. Uh, is it's a good scene where like you kind of have you have Kevin Bacon because uh, at that moment, Charles is in Kevin Bacon's mind. Yes. So you have the cross-cutting between the two of them feeling the same agony yep. uh, while Magneto kills him. And it's also an emotional agonizing moment of just being like, oh no, I failed Magneto. Yeah. Uh, it's a good moment. Yeah, good movie. Uh, X-Men First Class. I think it's definitely one of my top two. Cool, cool. <laughs> it's good. I like it. So uh, ne- next up is The Wolverine, right? Wolverine, 2013, directed by James Mangold. 
uh, when he's most vulnerable, he's most dangerous. Wolverine must face his ultimate nemesis, meet an old friend from the end of World War II, and test his own mortality in a life-changing voyage to Japan. That's the summary? That's It was the summary on, <laughs> on the website. I added more into that summary. That's fine. No, just... I, think, I think it's fair to this movie, because this movie is kind of just like, Wolverine just goes to Japan? Yeah, yeah. There's more to it, but like it does kind of just feel like that, if I was just to say the plot to somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so my notes on this to start with. So, first off, the advertising on the can is very, you know, accurate. This is like 100% Japan-focused. And I was like, oh, my question there was maybe it was a callback to Yuriko, but uh, kind of maybe not really. So anyways, first scene, first, just um, just one uh, one criticism about that. I, I, I enjoy the setup, but one criticism about that was that um, I'm pretty sure in his historically, like um, Japanese soldiers were not that nice to American POWs. Like lots of terrible shit happened from what I've read. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh... now now I don't know if that was supposed to have made the point me made was that maybe Yoshida was different. He was the guy, he was the one I, guy that was I nice. I thought that's what they were trying to do yeah. is cause like the other ones were like, no, just leave him in the, in the hole, yeah. which we trapped him in. Uh, whereas that guy was kind of having second thoughts and then eventually Wolverine saved that guy. Uh, yeah. So I think that was mostly just to like set up that character as like, Oh no, he, um, you know, he, he was, uh, nice to at least Wolverine. Yeah, so was, I mean, it was setting him up as a not inhumane guy, right? Right. So I would just yeah. say, you know, I just wanted to mention that because, like, you know, from that scene, it's it wasn't completely obvious to me that was that that was the case. So you know, just add the the history back. Um, next note was this is a small thing is like this is is this a retcon for Logan's memory loss, or maybe he's been restored somewhat with by prop by this point in time? I don't know because yeah, like you know, with with origins and like him losing his memory, you know, he shouldn't remember this presumably. Yeah, it doesn't feel particularly explained well, but I feel like in X2, because he's kind of re-encountering his origins, that he does get a little bit of a memory bump. He does start to get some of those back. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I think the idea that we saw origins, was the idea, like I, there's a, this is my headcanon, is that origins was him re-remembering it. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so- so the rest of it, okay, so next thing was, I mean, okay, so these are two criticisms, but they don't, they don't, like, ruin the movie for me, but I just want, also want to point them out, was that I kind of like the, um, the storyline's a bit typical, and the romance subplot was, like, you know, the, the, uh, in a meta sense, it was a groan, and the actual execution was pretty good, I thought, but, like, the me- in the yeah. meta sense, I was like, eh, this is very stereotypical, and the storyline of uh, the immortality was was pretty stereotypical as well. I saw it happening from like a mile away. I was like, "Oh yeah, this guy's gonna come back and be the villain," you know, type, that type of thing. Um, nonetheless, like for the plot not being super great, it's still I, I enjoyed this movie. So yeah, like again, it's the, the quiet moments and um, and you know one of them one, one part of it that gets spoiled, which uh, we talked about this as, as a major disappointment I have with this movie is that, like, they give him, like, a nice male buddy, right? And it's like, he has a bro. He's a, he's a guy that he's, like, yeah. he's... He has a healthy, normal male relationship. And then it, it turns out that the guy... Yeah. yeah, the guy at the end yeah. is just like, I wanna, I'm using you, I want to kill you and take your power and all this shit. I'm like, oh, man, just sigh, you know? It was cool to I, see I, him have that good relationship. 
the ending is very sloppy and I think is definitely the the downfall of this movie. Uh, yeah. That I otherwise do very... I, I generally like this movie. I like most things about it. It's somewhat forgettable, but like I, I like... I mean, you were saying with the thing with him and Mariko, um, the, the woman he falls in love with, yep. is, yeah, it is kind of cringy in a meta sense. Uh, it feels a little... Uh, weird and cliche, but like the execution of it, I think is better than anything with him and Gene. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I do think like something that this movie really touches on is just how fucking draining it is to be immortal. And I think that's like interesting. And this one, so this one was directed by the same guy who did Logan. Yep. So I think he had a lot of those thoughts in his head when he event like a lot of he had a lot of Logan, I think in his head while he was making this. Yeah. Uh, and I think he just expounded on it even more there where he's like, okay, first we're going to see him accepting the fact that he's immortal. And now we're going to see him actually live that. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I love that choice. Like, yeah, I love that choice. And like the, again, the, you know, I, I get from the plot utilization of the, the romance. I get that. It's like, it gives him something to live for. So I get that. Yeah, and yeah, again, the only issue I have with that is 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 the meta. It's the meta cringe. So in inside the movie, if you kind of isolate from the outside world, it works. Yeah, yeah, and it's something like that's something straight out. A lot of this is is a little bit straight out of the comics. Yep. Like that, Mariko's straight out of the comics. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. for sure. Uh, when he like fell in love with her there, this is very much following up on a um, on a very famous '80s storyline for Wolverine, like his first ever solo comic, where he goes to Japan. Uh, he's, I mean, almost every character written by Frank Miller, uh, at least for Marvel, uh, Frank Miller is the writer of this. He's a very famous, or the writer of that comic. Uh, he has a, he seems to have a big fascination with ninjas in Japan in general. Yeah. Uh, so he almost, he makes, he kind of, it becomes a thing that it's almost like central to Wolverine's character that he's a little bit a ninja. Yeah. Uh, cause, um, or at least a samurai. It's also a big thing with Daredevil, who Frank Miller did a lot on. Yeah. Uh, I really like the scene where they fight on a bullet train. That's yes. Cool. And just I like the, train fights in general. Yeah. That, so before we just get to that real quick, just to touch on the Frank Miller in the 80s point, is like, I think the 80s was also the kind of like, that was when Japan was like fucking wrecking face in the economy. So people were oh, like, oh, yeah. So there, there was like this whole like, Japan's going to take over the world thing. So it made, made it makes a lot of sense that. Like, that storyline comes from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, you know, oh, Blade yeah. Runner having a reference to that as well. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, the bullet train fight was really cool. And I love the fact that it was a bullet train. And they actually were like, oh, what would the physics be on this? They're, it's really fast and it's, like, crazy as fuck. And, like, you have to jump and, like, fly around. That was a really – that was really fun. I I love that whenever, like, a guy would jump and then suddenly the train would have moved – uh, under him yep. while he was jumping. Yeah. It's, it's, it looks really cool. I'm, I, in general, am just a fan of ever, any action scene that happens on a train for some reason. <laughs> uh, I'm not like super into trains. I just think it's cool when fights happen on them. Yep. Uh, but like whenever you add in an extra element, like it's a bullet train. Uh, I don't know. Then you're cooking with juice. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just uh, let's see a little bit more on the criticism. It's just like it's a bit overstuffed of a movie because there's a couple of extra plot lines that are like, what is going on with the Yakuza being a separate thing from the from Mishida yeah. wanting uh, Wolverine? So that's a little bit overstuffed. Um, it's it whatever it works overall. It's just yeah, I'm like okay, was it you know? It's maybe a little bit confusing at times. 
the um the Viper character. Yeah. The the, the blonde lady. Yep. Speaking of overstuffed, uh just because I feel like her whole deal is kind of overstuffed in this movie. <laughs> like I don't get what she's just there and she's poisonous, uh, I guess. And she's a doctor, and I guess she's just there. I don't know. I don't know. I found her kind of underwhelming, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. And um, let's see. Uh, not too much else to like super mention. Uh, Hugh Jackman being a really good actor in this one. Um, it's like he's bringing it. Yeah, he kills it in this one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. In terms of his character, Jackman views Wolverine as the ultimate outsider, and that the great battle I always thought with Wolverine is the battle within himself. Uh, and that he really saw this as his struggle with extreme longevity. He realizes everyone he loves dies, which is why he keeps flashing back to Gene. Yeah. His whole life is full of pain, so it's better that he just escapes. Um, he can't die. He just wants to get away from everything. Yeah, uh, and actually there's a, there's a little bit extra point there that I'll, I'll touch on when we get to Logan, which is, um, which is his whole thing with running, which is, I think you'll like it, and, and it ties back to, it, it, make, it redeems the opening scene of uh, origins a little bit. So yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, we'll talk look, about that. Uh, yeah. I, I like the part where he runs. I just don't like the execution of that opening scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. That. I get that. So uh, let's see. Oh, uh, one last thing on Jackman's process and being Wolverine in this mm-hmm, movie yeah. is that apparently he contacted the rock uh, for tips on bulking up. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, that was a note too. Is that, Oh, he's getting, he's yet more jacked in this one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. J- jacked man. Yeah. Jacked uh, man. Um, one last thing that, yeah, the other stuff I wrote is kind of like just my reactions, which are not that like super interesting. They're just small continuity things. Um, and I talked to with you about this as well before, which is that like pretty much every male in this, uh, with a speaking part in this movie, except Logan dies <laughs> and like 90% of yeah. them are, are bad guys. So it's a bit over the top, but it was, I'm like, we, we, you know, I, I kind of in jest ask you is like, is that like a meta commentary on toxic, toxic masculinity? And like, maybe it is actually. I, I mean, and that's, he can't have any friends because of toxic masculinity. Cause he drives them all away. He almost had Gambit as a friend and then he forgot Gambit was his friend and he pushed him away at the end of origins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have any positive male relationships in his life. And that's why he's such a dick to Cyclops, but Cyclops yeah. is also a dick to him. Yep. Uh, it's, it's cause they're kind of having a dick measuring contest. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah, I enjoyed them. Like I said, I enjoyed the movie, the acting performance were really grounded and sold that made me like it. Um, the other things around the periphery, a little bit over the top, I enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, yeah, it's like, there's a couple of things that are, you know, interacting there, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, last thing on that is that, um, for me at least is loose continuity, but also like I got really hyped with Magneto and Xavier showing up in the post credits and, um, then was disappointed oh, slightly with, with Days of Future Past. Uh, uh, once I saw that as a, you know, I was a little bit disappointed with Days of Future Past as a result. Cause I was so hyped for that. And then I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I hope I didn't, because I remember when you first saw it, you were like, oh, this is pretty good. And then I think I said something along the lines of like, I didn't really like Days of Future Past. I hope oh, I didn't. No. I still like totally. it. And um, we'll we'll expound my theory. And yeah, and I, I like, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Days of Future Past. Let's get to it. Because like Wolverine, Wolverine's kind of, I like it, but it's kind of the most nothing of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's kind of the least uh, important. Yeah. X-Men Days of Future Past. 
2014 return of a director that I want. Yeah. To save the future, they must alter the past. That's the tagline. Two generations of the X-Men fight a war across time for the survival of their species as they join forces with their younger selves to prevent their own extinction. Cool. Yep. Yep. It's a time travel movie. It's a time travel movie. <laughs> so, okay, Days of Future Past, experience with the animated series is that this is very much a Days of Future Past type of um, type of movie. So it's got all the essential ingredients of that. Bishop is involved. There's time travel. There's uh, They stop something, but then something worse happens, and they have to go fix that as well. Um, Who in Days of Future Past is the person who goes back in time? In, in or not, Sorry, in the animated in series. In the animated series, it's Bishop, yeah. Um, and there's a second there's a choice. the follow-up in that in the animated series is a i forget the name of the arc but it's it's bishop goes back in time and then because what he does makes things worse cable goes back in time to stop bishop from doing like specifically certain things yeah so cable and bishop like time travel in a totally different way than they do in this movie which yep. i think is closer to how the comics does days of future past okay yeah. this movie uh where it's not wolverine who goes back in time but and i think this is why they brought back this specific character it's kitty pride who goes back in time into her younger self okay uh we're like a, a telepath in the future because she's the one who uses her powers which i don't understand how her powers could send anyone back in time <laughs> right yeah. but um but uh um it's like a telepath it's the son of gene gray and scott summers who sends her back in time the daughter of sorry yeah um so that's that how they do that uh yeah um i i really like the opening to this where it's like the dark future and you get to see all these x-men fight um yep you get you get bishop obviously bishop's kind of just cool his whole deal's cool and i love when he absorbs people's power and then shoots you got Blink, who has a really cool teleporting yep. thing. Um, you've got Sunspot, who I love Sunspot in the comics. He's one of the new mutants. He was the character that I was alluding to a little bit earlier, mm -hmm. where so a big thing in his like initial intro is that he's like um, Afro-Latino mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, in, in Brazil. Uh, and like in the comics, his character just got drawn lighter and lighter skinned. To the point where uh, they're making this movie New Mutants, and the guy they cast for it is like a, a white Brazilian. Yeah, uh, and it's like a thing in the comics that like he gets his powers because he's fighting people who are like, we don't like you because you're a half breed. Um, so I don't know, especially in a comic that has a lot of while we're thinking of these things. Yeah, uh, which we should always be thinking about. Uh, but like, especially while like black lives matter is, is a powerful movement at the moment that is, uh, I mean, it's always, it's something that's just on the forefront of our mind. Uh, it's, it's annoying that they kind of, uh, whitewashed a character like that. But anyways, he's in the movie and he's cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I think that character, I don't know who that actor is actually. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, uh, it's cool. And he's only in it for like three seconds anyways. And I just spent. Uh, more time talking about him <laughs> than his screen time. Uh, yeah. And just random thing about the, um, you see the opening setup and the you know, dystopian future. Um, very cool use of the, the sending back in time to avoid the future, like, you know, the small part. And just a, a very random thing about that was that, like, I, I legit thought the actor for that was playing Blink was Elizabeth Olsen because she's made up in a way that, they, that she kind of looks like Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> 
I kind of see that. She kind of has a whole Scarlet Witch vibe going with yeah. her a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, I like that they just like have a whole new team of future X-Men yeah. uh, alongside some of the old favorites like Iceman and Kitty Pride and Storm. Storm looks cool in this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I forgot to mention while we were talking about Last Stand is I meant to mention this while we were talking about it, sure, but yeah. I really do think they improve on her. Like she actually kind of gets an arc in the last stand yeah. compared to the last two movies. Uh, she actually like gets stuff to do, which is nice um, uh, to like actually see X-Men get things. But of course, then this one goes immediately into like, we're sending Wolverine to the past and now it's a Wolverine story. Yeah. Uh, and we get to see the, all our friends from first class. Yeah. I like, so I like the, um, I like the, the, I don't know if it's a contrivance, but the fact that the, he can only stay in the past as long as he's asleep, right? So there's there is a ticking clock in the future. Whereas in the Days of Future Past stories in the animated series, it's like it's almost like infinite do overs, right? It's like oh, you fucked up, you go back, you come back, and you just keep on doing it. So they, it's yeah. good that it's a good stakes upper. So I like that as well. So yeah, so then he goes back in time and meets everybody as the as their younger selves. And I think like man, I, I wrote this very up top. It's like to see a broken Charles Xavier was so effective. It was really moving. And I think McAvoy, James, how do you say his last name? McAvoy? James McAvoy. McAvoy. He's doing a whole heroin addict in this thing in this one. He's the great actor. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen Split? No. Uh, I know him from uh, Children of Dune, actually. Oh. When? Was that like the TV version? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a miniseries. It's, a, it's the sequel miniseries to Dune. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's in the movie Split. And he plays a guy with like 26 personalities and he's phenomenal in it. Uh, he's also bald. So he looks more like Professor Xavier in that movie than in this one. Yeah. Uh, um, but like, yeah, because he's got nice flowing long locks in this movie. I feel like uh, they're even more flowing in Apocalypse. But um, he uh, I don't know. He's good. And he's doing a whole like 70s drug, like heroin addict thing. Yeah, in this movie. yeah. <laughs> I, I liked it. It was really effective and lots for a lot of other things. Um, oh yeah, just to backtrack a tiny bit about the um, the setup. So, like the first scene was really cool as a bait and switch to be like uh, to show. It's like it's it, it solves a lot of problems at the same time, right? It's like first it's like it's a tense moment where it's like they're all gonna die, and then it's like oh we see how time travel works, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, it's a cool thing. So to back to Charles, yeah, Charles being, I mean Charles being so broken in this one was yeah it's very moving to me, and then also Charles talking to Charles as a highlight, you know um of that it's just like there's that scene later on where they like have a telepathic communication through time and it's great it's a little little therapy session there um i'm trying to remember like um there i don't so i might be jumping orders a little bit but there's one thing where it's like i don't know if it's this movie but he's like ah yeah 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 yeah. so it's in the therapy session so he's like olo charles is like let yourself feel everybody's pain right and mm-hmm. let yourself feel it. And um, I think he gives some justification. Because he's doling himself with drugs, quote-unquote. Yeah. So, like, let you know, so he feels everybody's pain, and Charles gives something, like, some justification for why, you know, the older Charles, Patrick Stewart, gives a justification for why he does it. And I thought that was kind of, like, it, it missed the mark for me, because I, I have a different insight into that, which is that, like, by allowing yourself feel everybody else's pain, yeah, this is, yeah, this is, um, this is in this, in this movie, um, it's, it's, it's almost there, but they missed it, which is if you allowing yourself a feel to, um, feel other people's pain, actually heal, actually it heals you because it makes you realize you're not alone. So 
I they missed that a little bit. It's like, but the cool thing was that it was close enough that I thought of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, but that's what's cool about, you know, you can read your own uh, and, and take your own implicit messages from these. Uh, and, and I think that is definitely a message in this. Is he sort of like views it as, oh, no, if I have to be with everyone else, everyone else is a burden. But he didn't realize that, like, you know, that also takes some of the burden off of him if he can connect with others. And that yeah. there is kind of a gift to getting to be able to be with other people yeah. uh, telepathically. Yeah. Um, and it's a gift, like you said, like, a lot, yeah, he, he, he felt like he needed to cut himself off from that pain. But in reality, like, that pain is what ends up allowing him to heal. Because, again, he realizes he's not alone. It's like everybody has this shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that, uh, was, that was a really nice, you know, that was a really nice moment about that. Um, and so I, I'm going to expound the theory on this. So let's, we can we can go really quickly to the, like, the setup of the movie. You know, so Mystique uh, is a central part of this. She kills Peter Dinklage. <laughs> she, kill, she kills the future inventor of the Sentinels. Which ends up making things worse after, because, yeah. After very important uh, sequence of events where they recruit Quicksilver yes. to break Magneto out of the Pentagon because Magneto uh, was arrested for killing JFK, but it turned out he didn't kill JFK. He was trying to protect JFK because yep. JFK was a mutant. Anyways, real cool sequence of events that happened Dude, there. That, it's Keep really going. cool. Like, like, yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very cool. I, I love it. I just don't have very much like insightful, you know, insight. About I don't it. have yeah, 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 yeah. much to. I'm mostly negative on this movie, but that's something that I, I'm not most. Yeah, I'm medium on this yeah, movie. Yeah. I am very medium on this. So movie. I, I love that sequence of events. And then okay, so we get to Mystique, and then um she, uh in the original timeline, she kills Peter Dinklage. I don't remember his actual name and the, the character name in the movies, but Bolivar Trask. Bolivar Trask, creator of the Sentinels. Yeah, and that like ignites this thing where they, they weapon they you know they push the Sentinels even further, and um, so and then you know at, at that point in this movie, the new timeline, Magneto's like, well, okay, we stop that, but you're the threat, Mystique. You're the threat because it's your DNA that fucks us over. So he goes on and tries to kill her. And, um, okay, so this is, there's two theories here. Um, I'll tell you about the first one, which is, like, I think why you probably get less value out of rewatching this movie, which is, like, and it's a plotting thing, right? So in Days of Future yeah. Past, the anime... I'll get into the specific thing I don't like about this movie, yeah, but you but, can but this keep is my going. theory of, like, one reason why, maybe if, if it's not why you don't, why you don't like it specifically, it's a theory of, like, maybe why it doesn't hold up as well over time, which is that, okay, so... And it's a plotting thing, which is that, you know, in plot-driven movies, it's good to know, like, what the central conflict is. And so you have the tension of, like, oh, the hero's getting closer to achieving their goal or getting further, and the, and the villain's getting closer or getting further. So there's always that thing that you know as going on. You're kind of keeping track of the game, you know, mm-hmm. in a sense, keeping track of the score. And in this in, – in the in the animated series versions – like, whenever they would um, – they, they seem to stop what happened, they would go back – to the future and they would see that they failed and they would return. So you, the plotting keeps on going in this movie specifically, once they stop mystique from killing Trask the first time there, the plot setup is gone, right? So like, you don't know what the fuck is going on for the rest of the movie, which I think yeah. the first time watching it works. Cause you're like, Oh my God, like what the fuck is happening? Right. Is it really worse? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's this mystery of what's going to happen. But on rewatches, yeah. you know what's going to happen. So it's just kind of lazy that you don't know that, like, that they don't set up the tension. 
it does kind of feel a bit like it's meandering. That is definitely one thing about it, that it does kind of feel like it's meandering once that particular event happens. Yep. Where it's like, why do you know that now you have to go to the White House and 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 uh, have Mystique become a mutant hero? Why do you know that you like have to go and... Why is why does Wolverine not know that his mission is? I don't know. They explain it in the movie. There's a specific reason why they explain that he knows that he they haven't totally fixed the future. But like, uh, I don't know. It is. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, my big reason for not liking this movie is I just think they should have waited a little bit for it. If that makes sense. Like, I think First Class was a really good. Uh, reboot like a restructuring of the universe of like this is how we can continue these movies Mm -hmm. we have a lot of them and now they have a specific voice and personality to them and then this movie comes out you bring back the old director who i mean there are reasons um not non-creative reasons that i've already mentioned earlier in this podcast as to why he should not have been brought back Mm -hmm. but on a creative level i think bringing him back is just saying okay we it was fun to do that for that movie but now we're going to bring everyone back now we're we only gave those characters one movie. Um, so now we're going to bring back all your old favorites for a reunion episode with the old director. We're going to bring back the old music. Uh, we're going to bring back the old uh, black leather look. Um, we're going to make everything look like the old movies. And I think that would have been cool, like maybe two movies later. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe like let the first class be as cool as the original X-Men or something. Yeah. Like maybe play in that world a little bit first before you go to the time travel. Well, um but instead they were like no we're just gonna we're just gonna sunset these characters now we're gonna sunset the future timeline first we want to get that taken care of uh and i feel like it makes apocalypse it makes dark phoenix kind of worse because you don't get to build up those characters you don't get to build up the personality that director comes back and it's just it's still his voice and it was cool to see in first class when another director got to come in and do their thing um yeah and that's a big part of that's like my the if i have to distill it to one reason i don't like this movie that's the one reason yeah yeah i I get Uh, that man i totally get that and like one thing about that is i mean i felt like for for a movie that's billed as having returning the old cast and having like a reunion it very much does not use them (laughs) yeah i feel like there is a supposed there's a rogue cut which we did not watch for this podcast right uh that i believe has extra time i don't believe anna paquin's in this at all uh who, she plays rogue yep um but i believe the rogue cut has more of her oh she's briefly in the end though the, the, yeah the tiniest bit yeah i think because kitty pride got so much in yep. this movie because like rogue in the first movie basically plays the role that kitty pride does in the comics mm. uh she, like kitty pride has that role with uh has that kind of like daughter net niece role like mentor mentee role with Wolverine mm. uh, that Rogue kind of takes over in the, in these movies. So I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, back through your notes. Have we gotten? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, man, I, I think I maybe overtook notes, which is like, they're just a lot of reactions, which are cool, but um, uh, there, there's not too much meat in some of these, but um, Let's see. So other things. So it's kind of going in the in the order of what happens in the story. Um, so we touched on the therapy and we touched on the 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 fixing event where they fix the original flaw. And again, so after this point, it's like you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. You don't know where the plot is going. And uh, which is cool as a first time viewer because it's a mystery. 
Um, but yeah, I'm repeating that must, I'm sure it gets stale. Cause it's like, yeah, you don't really establish stakes very well at that point. So it's just like, you haven't seen it before. So you, you know, it's going to happen. Um, so we get to the point where, okay, so they they meet up in Washington and Magneto makes his play, which is to use the Sentinels and a fucking football stadium to like basically assassinate the top brass of the United States government, like the president and his cabinet, etc. Right. So that's the so big set baseball piece. stadium as a as a DC area person. Got to got to clarify fair, that's fair. RFK stadium. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, and he he does a train heist. I mentioned I like action on trains that's to get right. the Sentinels yeah. and to get the yeah. control of the Sentinels. Um, yeah, uh, very, very cool stuff. I think I like I like the set piece aspect of it. It's like you know another Magneto being Magneto, big set piece, very cool. And uh, and then yeah, so basically Mystique and saves the day. And decide, and so not only disables Magneto, allowing Charles to take over, also doesn't kill Trask in a moment of like, you know, Charles is able to win over. And this is, okay, so this is the theory. This is the theory. Okay. Mm-hmm. This again also has a kind of, a, like, I got inspiration for this theory from a, a very long and meandering, like, uh, article about a specific episode in Star Wars, which has very similar, if you take the arc, you kind of get similar message. But the message is this, right? Or the theory is this. The reason the timelines are different and why Gene is still alive and Scott is still alive and at the at the very end when it cuts back to the future is mm-hmm. is this moment because this is the and it's this moment because it changes Charles. This moment alters the course of Charles's future because in this timeline he does not become jaded. He does not he he has flaws still mm-hmm. but he doesn't become jaded about his former friends being helpless and, and hopeless as much as he does in the uh, original timeline he doesn't uh, you know in the original timeline you know you this is just this is a wreck this is a headcanon thing where it's like he basically doesn't know mystique at all he there's no acknowledgement there so you know you can in in the headcan version it's because you know he's jaded about her he, he doesn't do you like, know this is just me being too into soundtracks. Yeah. But do you know what Xavier's theme is in the soundtrack? Do you know the title of his theme? I actually don't know. It's hope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's literally in the theme they, they wrote for him is called hope in what so I in, think that's like all the way back to X in days of future past. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's, so very, I think you're, you're dead on. Here. Yeah. So like <laughs> the, what the turn is that, yeah, he doesn't be, he has a better outlook about the redeemability of the rest of the, you know, Mystique in the future, um, Eric in the future, as a result of Mystique actually being able to stop herself mm-hmm. uh, for taking, for basically coming back to his side in a sense. So he has more hope in this one. And then that, like, there's a, there's a knock on it. And I, and I had this theory um, before I saw Dark Phoenix. So, like, basically, like, that, the theory is that it, he doesn't mind. He doesn't do the mental prison shit with Gene in this in this timeline. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't feel like he doesn't feel like he needs to lock that away. He still does some suppression, but it's like it, the way it was presented in X three was like, oh, that's really fucked up, bro. Like that's like he mind prisoned her unconscious self. Like that's it's pretty also fucked up. the Phoenix is a different thing in this one where it is not a thing within her. It's like a cosmic energy, which is what it is in the comics sure. and uh, in probably the animated series. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas 
that is like a thing I think they specifically wanted to retcon of it. But there is an there is still the aspect in the comics where it's a cosmic energy of him locking her brain up a little bit. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, it's like it, so because he doesn't like feel he still feels that extra hope. He doesn't feel like he needs to take these extreme measures to control Gene. That's why she ends up surviving. Is she doesn't he doesn't have to do this crazy shit that then like backfires like incredibly like much worse. Yeah, in, he still lies about something. Yeah, he still is withholding information, but he's not fucking with her brain. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like it, it, it ends up playing out, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, maybe again, maybe not explicitly, but yeah, that's so that's the key difference I feel like in this timeline. Um, yeah, is, it's a it's a timeline where Magneto and Mystique are less villainous. They're generally on the side of good like uh magneto basically runs a mutant reservation uh this is jumping to dark's phoenix yeah and, and mystique becomes essentially the the field commander of the x-men yeah uh which is a very different timeline from what we originally saw yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. and it's definitely a much more hopeful one for like the friends that he grew up with in the 60s when he was first finding out about his x-men x mutant powers yeah um yeah yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I think yeah, I think you nailed it. Yeah, that's the theory, man. Yeah, and yeah, again, we we do see it kind of play out in the next couple in in the next movie, and then Dark Phoenix too. Um, I, I forget the moment why, like, where it plays out in Apocalypse, but we'll probably get to that in the notes. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, man. That's it. <laughs> I see. I have a crackpot theory for a later movie. Okay. Uh, and I was really hoping your theory was crackpot so that mine wouldn't sound so ridiculous. <laughs> but no, no, now mine sounds dumb. So that's uh, totally cool though. We love. I still move on yeah. to apocalypse is the next one. Yeah. Unless we have anything left to say about. Uh, oh, this just leads into apocalypse. But yeah, you know, Wolverine gets captured by William Stryker, a younger, an even younger version, yep. who is uh, Mystique in this movie, and then an apocalypse. Oh, oh, just one, one thing is that like, uh, sorry, just, last thing, just last thing about Days of Future Past is that, um, oh, oh, dude, there's two things that I missed that actually, yeah, yeah. So we, uh, one thing to backtrack a bit is we get a glimpse of how, at like how Eric became more cold blooded. It's like that moment when like that brief moment when he and Charles are talking about all the mutants that he lost and like, they were just like taken and experimented on. I was like, that's, that gives you that extra bit, like. Oh, that's why he became that way, you know? And they show you, like, everybody who was in his brotherhood at the end of First Class. And they yeah. show you a couple of the X-Men, like Banshee, I think, uh, happened to. Yep. Uh, which is another thing. Is like, just, like, that's another thing of, like, I would rather have seen that that, that movie a little bit. Is mm -hmm. I would rather have seen a couple in between of seeing, like, the, a little bit more of the First Class. Uh, and instead, they're killed off screen. Like, that's my big thing with this movie, is there's so many things that are... I would rather have seen that movie yeah. Uh, before I saw this movie. Uh, but, um, oh, and one last little note is that the Sentinels, the future Sentinels, they look like the Destroyer from Thor, which came out before this movie. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 you they, mentioned that before. Um, they, their face opens up like a beam. Um, yeah. yeah. And last note is just like, I love the way it ends with the lighting and the, the shot. It's like, it's very clear. It's almost a bit too obvious. But I love how it's like, oh, this is a really good future. This is a really bright future. And, like, everything is fixed. And, you know, so. Um, it's a nice finale because, like, Last Stand wasn't wasn't a very good finale for that trilogy. And I think it kind of is a nice finale for that cast. Yeah. Obviously, 
you know, we get a little bit more of Jackman and Stewart. Yeah. But uh, it's a nice little uh, bow for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So Apocalypse. I did write a lot of notes for this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they're mostly nitpicky. It was mostly me yelling at the screen. Um, uh, X-Men Apocalypse 2016, directed by the same director. The world's first mutant in an Egyptian named Apocalypse, or Ensaba Noor, uh, reemerges after a millennial of hibernation to recruit his four horsemen and initiate a mass extinction event. The X-Men must unite with their next generation to defeat him. Uh, I started to get lazier with these summaries and made them really quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Let me get my complaints out off the top, right? Which is, um, I think, maybe overstuffed. Yeah, uh, like uh, when when these, yeah, that's a big complaint when, when I have complaints. is overstuffed movie. And uh, that's the main thing, I think. It's, it's an overstuffed movie and big villain problem. Those are the two big the criticism I have that it's like you don't know why the fuck like Apocalypse does anything you don't know why the fuck any of the people any of the four horsemen join him except Magneto so yeah and then and they try to make yeah 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 that's it the other the other horsemen are just there I guess Storm gets like a little bit but like Psylocke and Angel just like what is Psylocke doing in this movie <laughs> yeah yeah um you know what I couldn't take seriously is is Psylocke fully comic accurate costume, uh, which is a very leotard costume. <laughs> and they go with Magneto to Auschwitz. And I'm just like, I can't take seriously that costume. Her standing around like the others for some reason I could handle. But like the Psylocke's like 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 real sexy costume while she's standing around Auschwitz. Yeah. It's just like real fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, this is the longest X-Men movie. Uh, and it feels like it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's still overstuffed as a, even though it's that long, you know? Yeah. But I swear if you cut out 40 minutes, it would still feel like the longest X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> it is just overstuffed. There's so much. Uh, Oscar Isaacs plays Apocalypse, and honestly, you could have gotten anyone to do the same stuff that he did, and he's a great actor. Yeah. But, like, wasted. that's kind of an under... That's There's so much that's wasted in here. Um, I'm just going through my notes. There's a scene where Magneto kills some dudes by puncturing their necks with a coin, which looks really cool, until literally the next scene, Apocalypse kills people, the same exact way and like 30 seconds later and just like a completely unrelated scene it doesn't feel like a callback it just feels like they were lazy and that was the only way they knew how to kill people oh, in a way that was cool that's funny um, yeah at this point every character from first class has now supposedly aged 20 years oh because okay. so something important to note here first class takes place in the 60s yep days of future past 70s this one's the 80s dark phoenix is 90s. the 90s yep. so you have to think about Every character has aged over that timeline about 30 years, 30 years or so. Um, and they don't. <laughs> no. Professor X, James McAvoy does not look like a man who is pushing 60. Neither does Fassbender. Uh, those are the two biggest, like Mystique you can get away with. Yeah. Because um, of the shape changing. But like Havoc at this point would be like pretty much 40. Yeah. And, uh, I don't buy him as a 40 year old 
And I definitely don't buy a 40 year old being Cyclops's older brother in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah. his, 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 his dad, you know, a couple different wives, you know, uh, sure, yeah. um, uh, something like that, you know, yeah. um, maybe if there was a half brother situation, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, also, Ooh, I really hate what they do with Magneto because it is a cool moment in a vacuum. Like it's kind of cool that like, Oh, like they basically Wolverine origins him where they give him, you know, a wife and a girlfriend or they give him a wife and a daughter. Yeah. And then do you know what fridging is? Yeah. I know what fridging is. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. fridge. Is the, that's the entire point. Yeah. It's like, for some weird reason, they decided Magneto didn't have a tragic enough backstory now that Days of Future Past happened. And they were just like, we're going to make his story more tragic by having his whole family die in front of him. And literally, a bow and arrow goes through the two of them at once, which just feels, oh. we're talking about on the nose here. Yeah, it's not, that's um, not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, so I, I enjoyed it from an acting perspective. Yeah, like, like yeah. Yeah, no, like once again, in a vacuum, I think it's good. But yeah. in a franchise building format here, yeah. while I'm watching them all at once, <laughs> it's a little bit like I just saw him go through the Holocaust again. Yeah. It, he doesn't need to have it more tragic. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I was like, my note for that was like, for at least the beginning of it, was like, seems like it deserved more explanation of how he became domesticated. Yeah. yeah. And uh, in this one and Dark Phoenix, they kind of are just like, oh, and this is what Magneto's been up to. He's peaceful. And both of those, yeah. they do that to him. And, and I, that that kind of, you know, that it, it does kind of go back to the theory of Days of Future Past where it's everything's a bit more hopeful. So Charles is not as much given up for him. Maybe he's like maybe had some, yeah. or, you know, some stuff and actually been in communication um, so or, it, like, it, yeah, they have to shock him back to being like on the dark side a yeah, little yeah. bit. I get, I get that, but yeah. it just feels a little, you know, I get, I've yeah. seen, it's just like, we've seen him see so much tragedy already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So let's see. I, one of my first notes is like, I dig the Egyptian thing. And then it reminds me of, there's a random Spider-Man animated series plot line where, with Silvermane trying to find the fountain of youth, basically that basically uses huh. the same type of aesthetic a pyramid with the sun. And then like some random shit glows and makes, Yeah does some shit <laughs> so just a random little note there um i like that we actually have young egyptian storm that's pretty cool i really like her yeah. i think she's great yeah. uh i mean also uh anytime storm has more of the mohawk cut she's automatically 20 percent cooler yeah uh because she seems like a badass when she's got a mohawk yeah uh but she's yeah i like i like young storm uh i feel like Callie berry wasn't the best storm uh, and that's Alexandra Ship, I think mm-hmm. I read. Yeah, uh, who plays the new Storm, and she's pretty decent. Uh, she doesn't get too much to do, but yeah, but she's yeah. I like she gets that. more to do than Storm does in half these movies. <laughs> yeah, yep. So let's see. My note for Scott was cool to see. Cool to see that he's not just wearing any random sunglasses. Um, he's a bit of a rebel, which makes him like. Which through that you see why he becomes a leader because he's like, yeah. You know what's a fun twist on him? Like a fun turnaround is in the original trilogy, it's such a thing that like Logan keeps stealing Cyclops's cars or motorcycles. Yeah. And in this one, uh, Cyclops goes and steals professor X's car <laughs> when they go and break out to go to the mall. Yep. Uh, which is a little fun moment. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And it's like, again, I, there is the, yeah, there's always like a little bit like, like a lot of good leaders have a little bit of that rebel side in them. You know, they just, they go off script and they, they're not like so rigid. So I see like that kind of gives a good explanation of why he became like the leader that he, they he did. Like yeah. That. Um, yeah. 
Next thing was I didn't realize that Days of Future Past or no the uh, first class mind wipe from Moira was so complete. <laughs> um, just random thing. Yeah, it's kind of a. I, it, it does feel like he should have just told her that right away in this one yeah. it kind of felt like they were milking it a little bit yeah uh um one very random thing is there's a there's a flat screen tv in here and i'm like that's not period correct <laughs> this is a big probably flat screen TV. it's not that yeah yeah um so it talks about the i i have a note it was like oh like magneto scene in auschwitz i you know i get that it's like you know make it makes it hit home um oh striker sequence like why why they just uh they just needed another they just needed one more they had one more movie on the hugh jackman contract and they were like all right we're gonna give him as much as we can set it up and i'm like oh it's but that- it makes no sense with what happened in days of future past right yeah the yeah. sequence it makes no sense because yep. mystique took him but what happened to why does will striker now have wolverine it just makes yeah i don't it it's, makes no lo- logical sense as to like, did Mystique actually take him to the real Will Striker? <laughs> right. And, and, and yeah. also just like as, as where it functions in this movie, it's just like, it doesn't function for very much. It doesn't what, like, what's the point of it other than to set up like the next movie. It doesn't function for this movie. Like maybe it's just a set piece. There, yeah. There's like a little bit where it's like, Oh, we see them become a team before they actually like take on the big thing. But like, it that's not even really necessary. You know, it's like, it's it's even it's higher stakes actually if you leave that out where it's like oh these people aren't really a team yet and they're and they need to become it to face the biggest threat you know so yeah that whole sequence I was like uh, what the fuck um, why um, is this here that immediately uh, follows the quicksilver scene pretty much which I think I do really like that actually yes I think the yeah. quicksilver scene in this. I don't know how you feel. I kind of liked it just a little bit more than the one from Days of Future Past. I liked, like those are yeah. clearly um, I think they clearly like the Quicksilver scene in Days of Future Past was like really popular when that movie first came out. Yep. And so they had to put another one in here. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it was like I don't, I don't really know which one I like better, to be honest. Like it's yeah, both it's not cool. worth ranking them. Yeah. Yeah. They're both very cool. Um, let's see. Again, I have another thing again about Magneto being Magneto is awesome, but it kind of decays after you see it a lot. Like the value yeah, of that. It, in this one, a lot of the Magneto stuff is is where this kind of falls apart for me. Yeah. Uh, which is disappointing. But like one of the big things that they do in this movie is they kind of hint at it in the last one, where uh, like Quicksilver is watching Magneto on TV, and you kind of get the idea that now he knows he's his dad. Yeah. Uh, at that point. Like, he doesn't know when he meets Magneto. But then this movie, like, it never says that explicitly. And then this movie just makes it very much of, like, an exposition dump of yep. just Quicksilver being like, yeah, he's my dad. And I'm never going to tell him, but he's my dad. Um, so let's uh, do this. And, like, you know, Magneto has this whole thing with his other family. So you can't – it feels like it can't even touch on this whole father-son issue. And it feels like it feels like they half do the father-son thing with Quicksilver. Like, it feels like a half measure. Yeah, it it feels like something they were like we have to mention it because it's a thing from the comics, and we're gonna pretend it's thematic, but like we're not really gonna touch on the themes. We're not gonna really give them a great moment together. Yeah, uh, it feels thrown in there like half half thought about. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I agree with that. Yeah, uh, it's I was yeah. really disappointed that like they didn't have the talk or like even yeah at the end they didn't have the talk. Um, it, yeah. it just felt pointless. It felt like why put it in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, like, and I get, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, I liked how they did it in Days of Future Past, where it was like, we know that this is a thing in the comics, so we're going to make it that you can, like, make this leap in your head. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I didn't, this one, it was just, like, too much. Uh, also, Jubilee goes with the mall with all, to the mall with all the other X Men. I mentioned this to you before. Oh and yeah, yeah. I was like, she, I didn't realize she, she was Jubilee. Yeah. Yeah, and then she just disappears. She doesn't go on the adventure with them. Yeah. Like literally, they go on the adventure in the next scene, and she's just like Rose Tico'd behind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, which feels weird. Um, let's see. Um, see the uh, the other thing I mentioned. Okay, so the, the Magneto turns in the in the in the third act, right? So like. I, the, um, the X in front of the, of Apocalypse was, like, really over the top and cheesy, so I, like, so the first part where the first beam arrives, I was like, yeah, I was like, fuck yeah, and I was like, it's a great moment, it's still cheesy and predictable, but I like the first beam, but when they add the second one and it makes an X, I'm just like, oh my god, come on, guys. And also that scene's been going on for about 40 minutes at that point, and you're just like, I'm done watching apocalypse fuck up i guess he's somewhere in egypt at this point cairo whatever city he's like fucking up a city and i kind of forget what city it is halfway through it's just such a boring looking final action that's action set piece like it's it's very much like it's very low energy yeah it's like low energy drawn out that's the thing like i even remember when i yeah i think i I saw that i said i saw this in at, at best buy and i was like this is going on forever forever and like what the fuck is happening so it's yeah like when i watched it i was like yeah it, it drags on for way too long i mean i i enjoyed some of the themes in there but yeah it's just not paced very well and yeah just kind of random too so um i do see one of the themes that i enjoyed is like um you know like they they fucking explicitly stated it. it's like aloneness versus togetherness right so where yeah where the, you know when um when apocalypse is fighting uh charles in his own mind he's like I win, you know, I'm going to win because uh, you are alone and I am not. I was like, I enjoy that theme. It's, you know, it's his lesson from Days of Future Past, you know, being with everybody and, uh, like, allowing himself to feel everybody's pain. I actually, oh, this is a random, this is funny. Like, when when I saw that, um, when the start of the Mayan battle happened, I was like, is he going to, like, basically do a fucking Ghost Rider on him? Where he's like, you're going to feel everybody's pain. And that's going to fuck you up and that's how we're going to win. And it's like, nope, nope, that's not it. <laughs> so I was I was a little disappointed in that. Yeah, yeah, I kind of have expected yeah. that. Um I kind of felt a little that that mind battle scene, it was just like, oh, uh like you can do anything in a mind battle. And I feel like Professor X should have had more imagination, yes. but like yes. the only the only cool thing they did in that set piece was like Apocalypse gets big. That's the only t- way they played with like the telepathy this is a my this is a non-reality battle yeah like they could have done so much more um especially with that fucking bland ass regular fight scene happening in 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 cairo um yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah they didn't yeah that was like very um yeah i was like like dude charles you are you not creative at all like what the hell and yeah like at that point, I was already kind of uh, disappointed that they didn't go like the the penance stare, like pain of everybody in the world yeah. type of thing. I was like, that would have been really cool, actually. That and that also serves the theme very well too. So it would have it would have helped. Uh, yeah. I do think like when Gene joins in, that's kind of okay when he's like, "Oh, I'm doing this with somebody," 
And then you've got the nice moment right after that, which like speaking on the whole Moira memory thing. Yeah. I do think it's like a nice moment for a split second when he does get her memory back. Yeah. But then Nightcrawler says something silly and it kind of ruins all the tension in that moment for me. Yeah. 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 I do. Um, Also, I do really enjoy Nightcrawler in like, I pretty much, he's one of my favorite characters actually in, in the series. He's fun. He's great. Yes. He's the best. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's good in these. Yeah. That's Cody Smith McPhee, I believe, yep. who plays him. It's Alan Cummings in X2, but like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think when he shows up, he's 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 good in these movies, and it would be cool if they did more with him, because like I think he's a character that just everyone likes. Yeah, uh, I, I like his whole thing basically. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a just, fun guy. The way, yeah, his like way of being, his like behavior. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, see other things I mentioned. Uh, Let's see, Alex's death was not handled very well. It's basically like Scott and X three, havoc. Yeah. So that was kind of meh. Um, We're, yeah, it's fridging. It's it, yeah. except it's for him instead. Yeah. And then the ending, the actual ending, where where Mystique is like, "These are the these are the X Men." I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of not very good." I I don't like her tone in that. It's just like, "Oh, you're you're suddenly a badass who just hates everything." I'm like, "Come on." I didn't necessarily like her delivery of that line. But I loved, and this is the thing of like, oh, at this point, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in full swing. You know, everybody's into superheroes and like we're getting them super comic book accurate. And the ending tease of this movie is all of the X-Men and like 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 Cyclops is like in his 90s animated series suit. Nightcrawler's in like the red V with like the white gloves like he's got the look. Uh and I was like, yes, this is what they should have looked like all movie. And so that's kind of the like thing that I like about that movie. And the thing that really pissed me off, and we're going to get into it in, a, in another couple movies, is that so then like I was like, okay, cool. I hope they look like that in Dark Phoenix. And then you get to Dark Phoenix, and it's like, wait, what What was even the point of teasing us with those costumes? Um, yeah. And I, I, the other um, thing I didn't like about that was the Sentinel design kind of – like it makes sense for the timeline, but it kind of sucks in this context. Um, for me, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like a vacuum cleaner. Yep. It looks weird. Yeah. Um, and last thing for me on this is that the the last when when they echo the X one moment with over the chessboard, where it's like where he Eric asks like, you know, um, does it ever keep you up at night? You know that they might knock on your door, and you know grab your kids basically. And Charles is like, I, we talked about this over the chat too. Charles is like, you know, I I feel a great swell of pity for the uh, the poor fool who comes to my school looking for a fight or something like that, right? Yeah. And I had the comment that, like, I think, yeah, the, the original one is very much like this is a fight. And I think this one, again, it reflects the time, the new timeline and the new Charles in this one. He's, like, sad. And, and to me, that was, like, a sadness of, man, like, you're going to hate these kids so much that you're going to come try to, 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 to kill them or round them up or something like that. And then... And your hate's gonna kill, destroy you, literally, because these kids are fucking not to be fucked with, you know. So it's like really sad. It's like it's a he's like so sad that it's a lose lose for everybody, you know. Um, so like I I enjoyed that turn of it, and it's a reflection of the way Charles has changed, where he's like he's much more empathetic with people in this timeline. Yeah, it's a nice, um, it's a good mirroring moment yep. between the two versions of himself. Yep. in general. So, yeah. Uh, that was my last apocalypse note. Yeah. Cool. 
I have. I don't think I have much more to add of any substance to that one. So yep. I'd say Logan. let's go on. Logan. To Logan. That's the end of part two. Hope you all enjoyed it. Tune in to the next part, part three, for Logan, Dark Phoenix, and our overall thoughts on the 10-movie franchise. See you then.